welcome to Vitally You, a podcast created to introduce you to the tools that will be your roadmap for feeling younger while growing older. I'm your host, Dana Frost, a wellness expert, life coach, and energy medicine practitioner. Here's what you can expect. Conversations about vitality from the inside out with guest experts in the field of health, culture, and spirituality and solo episodes along the way from me where I do deep dives into the topics of aging, heart intelligence, energy medicine, and your innate capacity to heal. If you want to feel younger while growing older, this is the place for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Vitally You podcast. I'm Dana, your host, coming to you from Chicago for this very special week because you know what? It is officially my birthday week. My birthday is one week from today, Sunday, July 31st, and in the Frost family, one day is certainly not enough to celebrate when it comes to birthdays. So next week, I will be coming to you solo for a birthday episode. I would love to hear from you. Do you have any requests for this special solo episode? Send me an email or a direct message on Instagram before Tuesday, July 26th, 12 noon with your questions, suggestions, or requests. So this week you are in for a treat because you are going to listen in to a gal-to-gal conversation between myself and Camille Martin. Camille is a registered dietitian, author, recovered chronic dieter, but you know what? Most importantly, she is a woman who took a courageous leap in her life and set herself free from cultural and familial expectations. Camille was raised in the South at a time when Southern women in her circle had a script. This was it. Go to college, get married, have children, and spend your life in service to your family and your community. Y'all, we were supposed to talk about her book, Love to Lose, Love Your Life and Watch the Weight Lose Itself. But I'm going to tell you we got way more juicier than her book. Stay tuned to hear one woman's journey that started with dieting and body dysmorphia at the tender age of 12 to a woman in her 50s who was on fire about setting big goals so that women don't get mired in living a small life. Camille, thank you so much for being on the Vitally You podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much, Dana. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So Camille has written a book. It was published in 2020 mm-hmm. and it's called Love to Lose. And we just decided, listeners, that we have a lot in common. We're of the same, you know, decade. I'm 56, Camille's 53. And we're really talking to listeners out there who are 50 and older because when, you know, the world really shifted when we, for women 50 and older, and I would say probably like the 50 to 80 year old, I'm thinking my mom is almost 80. And so I would put her, she was an adult during this phase when there was a no fat phase, no fat carbs were big. And, you know, we were removing a lot of the really nutritious whole foods fat foods, and we were substituting them. And we were told it was healthy for us for margarines and everything low fat. And I actually said to Camille earlier, I wasn't really raised in a home like that. My dad grew up on a farm. And so we had whole milk and, you know, nothing was really fat free in my home, but 
we're going to let this conversation flow and really speaking to those women in that age range in terms of perceptions about what is it to feel younger, growing older, and what are the things that happen to us when we hit this, this slippery slope of midlife? How do we move forward? And Camille, I know you have so much to share with us. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what were some of the things happening to you as you hit midlife? Sure. Well, um, let's see. In terms of weight loss, that's sort of where my whole business got started. I'm a dietitian and I'm a, a public health writer and editor for the CDC. So my beginning of doing what I'm doing now started as nutrition only and health and, you know, losing weight and that kind of thing. But it's grown into so much more because of my own personal journey, starting way back when, when I was about 12 years old and I started dieting way back then. And um, I'm laughing when you're talking about margarine and fat free and high carb and everything was just preservatives and, you know, substituting a bunch of chemicals for the actually really healthy stuff that we weren't aware that was healthy. All we were saying is it's fat. It's going to make you fat. And right along that same time um, that I started dieting because it was all around me, there was a the conversation in my house changed from I was, you know, a young girl, active, gymnastics, dancing, swimming, all of these things. And I ate whatever I wanted to eat whenever I wanted to eat it. And then all of a sudden, at a certain point, you know, right when I got my period, it was like, oh, don't you can't eat that. That's going to make you fat. That's fattening. You better watch that. You don't want to eat too much of that. So it was really confusing. And so long story short, I started dieting when I was 12. And then that set off an entire, you know, 25 year obsession to look perfect and to lose the same 10 pounds over and over and over again. And um, led to an eating disorder. It led to lots of other um, crazy, psychotic food issues. And I would say body dysmorphia and self-hatred and body shame. And, you know, it's, it's all, as we were saying before we even got started, all of this is connected, you know, dieting, body image issues, female sexuality and, and suppressing that, shoving your voice down, being small, living small, not standing up for yourself, putting up with things that you shouldn't put up with, being a people pleaser, saying yes to everything. All of this is like just a cancer on our culture. And we're all becoming aware of it now, which is wonderful. But it really came to a head for me a few years ago when I went through a divorce and I had been married for 17 years. And if you had asked me, I mean, I think anybody would say this, but when I first got married, that if you had told me that I would have ever been divorced, I would have said, there's no way ever. I will never get divorced because you just stay in it. And because there's nothing that we couldn't work out. There are things we can't work out. <laughs> well, and, and I realize now looking back, it was a horribly painful experience and we're better now apart and we're co-parenting our kids really, really well and healthily and all that. But um, I can look back now and see all of that, the dieting, the, you know, all the issues I just named were all wrapped up in me getting into a relationship, getting married because I was supposed to get married because I married 
yeah, I don't know if you're using video, I'm doing air quotes, the right guy on paper. And he's, he's a nice guy. He, we were just horribly wrong for each other. But I spent 17 years being quiet and not saying, you know, don't talk to me like that. Or I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on vacation there. I don't want to hang out with your friends. It, it was like a pressure cooker that finally blew. I think that you're touching on a lot of points that women, again, speaking to those women 50 years old and up can relate to. We're talking to a different generation when we talk about younger women. So for this group, myself included, what for you, what was that eye-opening moment when you realized this is life? It doesn't matter if it's the marriage or the diet or the job or whatever, all of that people pleasing, the conditioning, what was the moment for you when you realized this, whatever it was, is not working for me? This is not working for me. What was that moment for you? Well, it's interesting because when we had gotten to a point where we knew it was either where we knew we had to be in therapy and that this was very serious and that we were, you know, not going to be able to fix things unless we went to a therapist and really got down to business. He moved out of the house and the morning after he moved, I literally woke up and started walking down this little hallway into my kitchen to get my coffee. And I felt this just like I could breathe, like this massive relief of like, I'm so, it was like I was free and it hit me immediately. I don't want to be married to him anymore. And right after I heard that, I was like, no, I mean, we have two kids. There's no, so what the question you're asking me is when did I know? And the reason why I said it's funny is because that was my intuition speaking loud and clear. And it also spoke to me 17 years prior to that when I was dating him. And I'll try to tell this quickly, but I was 32 years old. All my friends had been married. They were already having kids. Everyone was like, what's wrong with, not what's wrong with you, but like, aren't you seeing someone? Why, you know, is there anyone special? Don't wait too long. Don't you, do you want to have kids? All of these- You were raised in the South. Am I right? I hear your accent. It, yes, it was absolutely. It's, and it's like, you can think like right now it's like, well, you know, you don't have to get married, but 17 years ago from the family I grew up in and the place I grew up in, why are you not married? Is there something wrong with you? You know? And I really thought there was. And so when I started dating him, he's cute, very smart. He came from a very nice family, went to the right college, was in a fraternity, the whole thing. He, it was the mirror image of what my life was growing up. And he's a great person. I'm, this is what I mean. He's not a bad person. But we were dating and I remember thinking, hearing that voice, are you going to be okay with this for the rest of your life? It was like, seriously, someone, Dana was standing next to me saying it. And it was like, where did that come from? And then it was like, I made a deal. I said, I can be okay with this for the rest of my life because the alternative is, you know, I don't know, like I can't continue to be living in this culture in my little immediate world and not be doing what everyone thinks I should be doing, because that would be too painful. Now it's not, but it was then. Well, I think, Camille, I really want to highlight a few of these things because I know every woman in this age group can relate where, you know, today on social media, we hear, listen to your intuition, your heart is intelligent, you know, that inner voice, pay attention to it, it's real. Well, that really wasn't the case back then. 
for mm-hmm. women. We weren't educated. We weren't hearing that, that that was a voice that was valid. Right. And I think it's just so vitally important to pause here to recognize that we have, I call them nudges. Don't ignore the inner nudges because it is the inner guide. It's your wise inner teacher. And it's yeah. never, it's never too late. I mean, ever, it's never too late to begin listening to the wise inner teacher. No. And it's interesting to hear you say you can go back to 17 years prior to that point And you remember hearing that wise inner teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And I, I shoved it down and I said, I'm okay with this. And it's hard to talk about because I have these two beautiful children that we share together and I wouldn't change anything, obviously. And I'm not sorry that I married him. And, but it's such a, it's so, so important. And I think it's hard for women to listen to their inner God because we're so used to being shoving our own voice down, just like daily, like Mm -hmm. physically shoving it down, like silence yourself, be quiet. I shouldn't say this, you know, I'm going to sound like I'm being opinionated or obnoxious or, you know, I just want everyone to feel good. I want everyone to be happy. So if we can't even feel comfortable saying what we want to say daily, how are we going to listen to inner wisdom? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many distractions, but if you can get tuned in, it's there. And really all you have to do is two things. I think is every so often throughout the day, just get quiet for a minute. You don't, you don't have to force yourself, like ask yourself all these questions, just sit there. And the more you do that, the more you practice it, the more you will hear your intuition speak to you. And when it does, just listen. You don't always have to, you know, it's not some big thing like, oh gosh, I don't want to listen to the inner wisdom because it's going to tell me I need to divorce my husband and run off and move to, you know, Africa and never see anyone again. That's not what's going to happen, but you got to just honor it, tune in, let it speak, and then make choices based on that. I think that's a really very simple, practical words of wisdom. And I always say it always starts with getting quiet. It always starts with that silence with yourself. We have so many distractions. We have so much propaganda telling us what to say, how to believe, what's the latest thing that we need to be in support of, how to look, how to dress. We have so many voices coming at us all the time. And really, I always say everything you need is within you for your own healing. Yeah, we might need like I'm coming from the functional nutrition lens, you know, we, we may need a prop. We may need some specific food or supplement or, you know, some modality, but really in the essence, everything we need is within us. It's so true. It absolutely is. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just hard to, you're right. We're inundated with all of this information and especially when it comes to health, I am a dietitian and I, of course, know and promote that food, it can be so healing and it, you know, whatever you feel your body with mm-hmm. is creating the body that you have as an instrument to relate to the outside world. And if you're feeling your body with crap, you're not going to think clearly, mm-hmm. see clearly. You can't listen to your intuition when you're downing junk food because, you know, you're, you're off. But I will say that I think we have gone way overboard in nutrition and health with focusing on all of these like specific nutrients and, you know, which exact nutrients am I getting? And, you know, counting carbs, fat grams, macros, all of this stuff. 
it's important, but I think we have lost sight of what we're talking about here is that if you start listening to what your body is actually asking you for, instead of being bombarded with all this information and having all these distractions around you that like, what do I choose? What You know what to eat. Your body knows what it wants. I try to tell people, I don't like to talk about food. When people say, what should I eat? I say, I'm not going to tell you what to eat. It's not a big mystery. For one thing, we all know what to eat. And unless you're a professional Olympic athlete, like tweaking, you know, the <laughs> all of the little individual nutrients to make your body into a perfect machine. It's like, let's just be quit freaking out over every single thing about food and about health. Like know the basics and you pretty much already do. Listen to what your body wants. Calm down, get centered. And yeah, we're just making it way harder than it needs to be. Well, I think what you said tells me it becomes another obsession. And so we're trading, potentially you could say we're trading the diet culture for an obsession about perfection in terms of the healthy stuff. Yes, it's called orthorexia. Have you? I didn't know that, but I looked it up because I just did a blog post about people being obsessed with eating perfectly. I think it's in the DSM. It's like, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's because, a mental condition. Like, yeah, yeah. Cause it does take people so far off track that, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I want to just take us back to that point in your life, because I know, you know, we all have the moments that really change us forever. And oftentimes I really believe what I have, what I experienced in my own life and what I experienced from clients and friends is that midlife really is that opportunity to wake up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in this moment, after your husband has moved out and you're there and you hear that wise inner teacher and you feel the weight lifted, when you were saying it, I felt it energetically. Yeah. And you feel that lightness that it's like, this is the way when we feel light, we know this is the way walk in this way. It's yeah. the way there is no burden. And so when you felt that, I kind of had a feeling that you were going to say, but I, I knew that was true, but I knew I then had to keep working on my marriage. Is that right? No, that is what I said. <laughs> I was like, I can't, you can't leave. You cannot get a divorce as if you can't do that. And you can, you totally can. And it was just a lot of religious and cultural, Southern cultural brainwashing. And you got to stay in it for the kids. My parents at that point, they knew something was really wrong because I kept going home back to my home state to visit for, you know, like a week at a time. And they were like, what is going on? And then I said, we are having real problems. And they both said, you have got to work it out for those kids. So I did not listen at the beginning. We went through therapy, but then over time, it just, it's a long, long story. But over time, I finally just realized I'm not doing this. I, I really almost physically couldn't. I couldn't talk to him. Like just our relationship was so, he was, you know, it's like gaslighting and all of these things. And I finally just blew up one day. Mm -hmm. I went completely crazy. Actually, we were on the phone and I... <laughs> I was out in my front yard, like screaming and dropping F-bombs. And my neighbor came out to see like, is someone being murdered in the front yard? But it was seriously, Dana, 17 years of not saying boo, like not even saying, don't talk to me like that. I lost it. And I just said, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I want a divorce. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen eventually, whether it is the body breaks down, we either break down mentally or emotionally or physically. We have a breakdown and, and the system just gives way. And so that's what happened to you. So what would you say to a woman out there who, and, and there, there, it could be a man too. I don't mean to single out the the women, but what would you say to that person out there who is kind of having that moment where they're ready to explode? I will say, um, and actually just really quick, it's funny when you said the body will start breaking down at this same time when all of this was happening, I started having seizures. So like grandma seizures, like I got taken away in an ambulance on our spring break. We were at the hotel pool and I had a seizure and I woke up. I didn't know where I was. So is that crazy? Like, I don't know how I didn't completely like either, you know, have a heart attack and die or do something totally crazy and go off the deep end. But my true self, what was happening, and this is what I say in my, I said it in my book, I think, but like a midlife crisis is not, you know, like we're all crazy and like, oh, I just want to reconnect with my youth. I think a midlife crisis is that the person I was living or pretending to be is not the real me. So now all of a sudden, this is the real me. The me that was saying, go F yourself. I'm not putting up with your shit anymore. And I don't want to be married to you anymore. And I'm hanging up the phone. And that was the real me who had just had enough. But you know, I mean, like, we're not all like, oh, I'm having a midlife crisis and I'm I'm doing crazy things. We were doing crazy things before, which meant we were living an inauthentic life that did not align with who we really are. That's what it is, you know? And that's the wake up call. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the wake up call of, hey, this isn't you. And that wise inner teacher is saying, this is you. Listen to yes. me. Um, Together we can. Absolutely. And when I got, I was going through the divorce in North Carolina, you you have to wait a year before it's final, but I'd moved out. I got my own little townhouse with my daughters and I was so, it was such a massive relief. That's how I knew it was right. Is that the moment I moved out and got my own place and I was like, I felt like a new person. I felt like I just had like, you know, been through a Zen meditation. I was free. And my neighbor who I met, who was also divorced, just one of my dearest friends now, she would, I would be like, but, but I have to do this and I have to make sure of this. And I and she's like, wait a minute, why? She's like, the only question you have every day is when you wake up, am I happy? If the answer is yes, you keep doing what you're doing. If the answer is no, I'm not happy. This doesn't make me happy. Then don't do it anymore. That's it. And do you know how freeing it is? I know you know, because you're doing this, you're like, you know, fully engaged in this kind of investigation of life, but it is so freeing, literally. And it's the easiest thing. Do I want to do this? Like right down to, I need to call my brother. I've got to call him. I don't want to call him. I don't like talking to him on the phone. Okay. So don't, why do you have to call him? And Camille, (laughs) you have just said that's what it is to feel younger, growing older. When you drop the weight of all the shoulds, you actually do feel younger as you're growing older. Absolutely. I've never felt better in my entire life. My business has, when I had this idea to write that book, I had it for 10 years and I 
kept saying, I really want to write a book to teach women how to lose weight without dieting. And I never was going to write that book if I had stayed in that marriage. And now here I am, I'm like podcast. It's turned into something completely, it's taken on a life of its own because I'm different now. And you asked me a minute ago, see, now you shouldn't have asked me to tell you all this personal stuff because now I can't, I can't stop talking. And I'm like, that's good. It's good. I like it going on and on. But what I would tell a younger woman is you do not have to do anything anybody says. I don't care who said it. If it was your priest or your father or your boss, you really and truly do not have to do anything that does not make you totally happy. And so the pain, it feels painful to say, here's what I want, but I promise you the pain of not saying what you want added up over time is so much worse than, you know, offending someone or maybe hurting someone's feelings, or they might think this about you. I swear to God, I had 17 years of bullshit that just exploded and it didn't have to. So no one told me these things when I was 30 and getting married, 32. And now that I'm 52, almost 53, I wouldn't go back to 18 or 20 or 30 for all the money in the world. I've never felt so good. And I want every woman, especially my daughters, to know these things so that they don't have to go through the misery of trying to live for other people because it'll backfire. It will blow up in your face or you'll get cancer and you will die. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I-, I do know what you mean. Yes, I do. And You know, I think when Camille, when I started coaching, I was living in Brazil and this was in 2007. And I remember learning in my training, this idea of the body compass and how your physiology, it has no story. Like your brain has a story. It attaches a story and it, and it's where, you know, I should do this. I shouldn't, or it's okay, or it's not okay. You know, it follows the norms, the education, the culture and the body is just responding in agreement or out of agreement. And you're down, you know, that's how your muscles respond, constriction or flow. Yeah. And I remember in those early days of coaching and the pushback from women would be that feels selfish. I can't do that. That's selfish. Well, I'm a mom and, and I've got these responsibilities or my job demands this. And if I, if I speak up or if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, that's selfish. Taking care of myself is selfish. I can spend $10,000 on my kids for, you know, some sort of special academic or sport training, but I can't do that the same for myself. So I think that this is such a pertinent conversation because if we deny, 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 deny ourselves and we put our hand over our mouth repeatedly, it will blow up. Well, it's to me, it's selfish to not do those things. It's selfish to do that to your family because you're just giving them the cardboard cutout version of yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. the watered down version, the sad, quiet, timid version of yourself. And that's selfish because your kids and your family are not getting the best version of you, like the most glittering, sparkling version of you. I'm not talking about like, oh, I want to be my best self today. It's like you are so powerful and could just unleash all of this beauty and brilliance and glory out into the universe. And we're all sitting in our house, you know, counting calories and how many macros and all of this shit. And it's like, we are withholding 
from the world and the world is suffering because of all of us doing this. So we need to get together. It makes me angry because of my personal story, because I know what a tragedy it would have been for that marriage to have continued. And then I never would have written the book or I never would be talking to you. And maybe somebody right now is listening to this and saying, you know, with tears in her eyes, I don't want to be in this marriage either. This is, this is not, mm-hmm. not for me. And I need to do what's right for me. Guess what? My kids are thriving because I am not holding myself back anymore. You know, that's a great word. Yeah. So how, so you actually have touched on how your life has really opened up. I think that that can be the fear, whether it's divorce or quitting a job, any, you know, or making a move or whatever, however your wise inner teacher has been knocking at your, the door of your heart and you've been silencing it or just like keeping it at bay. You know, when we listen and we open that door and we say yes, because physically the muscles begin to relax. And then, like you said, you were having seizures. That is an electrical system, a nervous system that's like, I can't even take it anymore. Yeah. And so it's it's the blown, you know, the wires are blowing and I just, all I can do, I've just got to let off. Your system was letting off steam. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when we relax energetically, everything shifts, everything shifts the way people see us, the opportunities we receive, we're able to be creative where we, we become open when we're in a situation where we're obliging the world, other people the system is, is closed down because it's not, it's unnatural in many ways. So we're kind of nearing the end. And I'm just really thinking about what, how we want to end this. That's kind of where I'm like, well, how do we want to end this? We've said so much, (laughs) we've said so much. And I don't know, do you have anything else that you would like to share, Camille? Let me just see if there's something that you're like, Hey, I really want to share this. And you're not asking. No. Well, I always say that setting a big goal is a way to sort of break out of all of this mental, um, you know, the weight that we've got carrying around from culture, from society, from, um, you know, we're getting all of this input and we've got all this brainwashing that we've got to try to break through and get out of. And it's hard. So what I tell women to do is to sit down with a journal and go somewhere quiet, go sit outside. And um, sometimes people, I can see them, you know, their eyes glazing over when I say get a journal because they're like, oh God, you're, are you going to make me meditate and go write, write stuff down? And I'm like, just, it's supposed to be fun. So go sit somewhere quiet. Think about when you were growing up, what did you love? What were you excited about? Like, oh, I, one day I want to grow up and I want to I want to have my own jewelry line. Like I love putting together bracelets or whatever it is, speaking French, traveling, and just make a list. Don't censor yourself. Make a list of all these things that just bring you joy and then pick one and then set a goal. So like if your goal is I would always wanted to live in France, that's my that's would have been a goal of mine, but I never did anything with it. And it is not too late. It's absolutely 100% never too late ever. And then take that goal and write down as many tiny little steps, big and small, but better if they're small, break it down into all these steps and then just start, you know, order them in the way that would make sense for you. And then 
tomorrow, like keep this, walk around with this sheet of paper with your goal on it, keep, you know, treasure it and take one step every single day. Because what that does is that it reminds you that you are allowed to dream. You're allowed to quote unquote, be selfish and do something for yourself. You are capable of achieving bigger goals than you give yourself credit for. And you deserve to have joy in your life. So you know how it's, I think it was Mother Teresa, if you don't bring me to an anti-war rally, but if you bring me to a pro-peace rally, I will come. You can't fight negatives, but you can, by in introducing something positive, it just it just blasts all that away. So like losing weight, counting calories, cutting carbs, you know, how many steps did I take yesterday or all of this crap, you know, you don't have to worry about what you're eating. Set a big goal. Let that energy and excitement spill over into your health and it will. So that's what I, that's what I say. I <laughs> love what you just shared. Process, the tool is so powerful. The woman who trained me in coaching, Dr. Martha Beck, calls it a wig. Oh, a, really? A wildly improbable goal. <gasps> You trained with her personally? Yes, as a life oh in, in life coaching. And so that that is such a powerful tool. And you said, write down the tiny little steps that need to be taken because the tiny steps, and I believe she proved this in her research, the tiny steps, you're going, you can achieve tiny things, you can achieve a million tiny things. But if you have one, if you just look at the, you know, that big goal, you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm never going to achieve that. But right. if you just start writing down little tiny steps, you'll achieve those little tiny steps. Energetically, it totally shifts. So I am yes. so glad that I was led to say, what do you want to share? <laughs> because it's really powerful. That is a super is. powerful process. It, it really is. And it, you're right. I'm all about getting small wins. Like, you know, if you say I'm going to climb Mount Everest, well, you're screwed. But if you say, you know, I can go buy some hiking shoes, I can get online and check on flights and I can, you know, and like one little step leads to another. And you're right. It's like the energy shifts and people will be led to you. And um, it, nothing's a coincidence. Also, your big goal today will always say your big goal today will be on your to do list tomorrow just to check it out. Because I mean, like your big goals will turn it so much bigger than you could have ever imagined. And you're going to be achieving left and right. And you're not going to give a rip about how much you weigh. And you'll start losing weight because you'll just be happy. And like, you're going to be too busy and too excited about life to sit around going, I'm going to try not to eat ice cream in front of the TV later. I mean, you're going to be in a totally different zone. Mm -hmm. so. I love that framework, Camille. I think that that's, there's so much wisdom here. And the framework of focusing on the positive versus controlling. And, and so really what you're saying is give up control of these little small-minded areas and take control of chasing something that in essence is bigger than you, Yes, demands more of you, is life-giving. It opens everything up. I think that I just, I really love our conversation. So I have one more question for you. What okay. does feeling younger while growing older mean to you, Camille? I want to phrase this in the positive. I was about to say it means I don't care what anyone thinks about me, but <laughs> it means to me that, um, gosh, that I just, I wake up every day and I value, I value how I feel. I value what's important to me and I don't live my life based on what everyone else wants from me. 
And because of living that way, I feel younger and it makes you look younger and act younger. And yeah, we might be like reversing the clock and we don't even know it, but live, live authentically, be yourself totally. I love that. Thank you so much, Camille. I just really appreciate everything that you've shared today. Thank you for having me on Dana. Thank you for joining me on the Vitally You podcast. Don't forget to send your birthday episode request by July 26, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Now, there are two free ebook downloads in the show notes. One is Camille's free e-guide, Setting Up Your Ultimate Weight Loss Kitchen, and I'm going to guess there are a lot of yummy recipes in there, and my free ebook, Tips for Daily Vitality. If you are enjoying these conversations, please hit subscribe and download, spread the love with the review and share it with your friends. As always, I'm streaming love from my heart to yours.